0: Luxury quality within reach, go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
5: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center
4: podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is Disney Gallery, colon, The Mandalorian, colon, Connections. It's not about a Star Wars dating site. Oh, that that would be cool. Uh, But it is rather an episode all about the different ideas, characters, references, moments, people, places that are in The Mandalorian that have come from other places in Star Wars. There was a lot of connections in this series, which meant this was, uh, well, the
5: longest episode of the Disney Gallery series. (laughs) Just if we can start there uh, as uh, the series, uh, you know, wrapped up with a look at these connections and we start going into some stuff um, that we either knew, didn't know, and other people might have known it. That that was just as fascinating as the episode itself. But what do you feel about this one being the final one and the longest one?
4: Yeah, I wasn't expecting this when I was kind of brainstorming what else they might cover it was really fun not knowing unless you happen to see like an early review tweet which i did a couple times not knowing what each episode of uh of this show is going to cover in connections i was like i literally said ooh out loud at like you know midnight uh when i sat down to watch it Uh, and i really liked it because not only was it just a deep dive into some of the connections that i think are are right there on the surface if you're uh, a really inside the bubble star wars fan but I also like getting to hear the way that all of these creators, actors, um, you know, designers, uh, it, it special effects people talk to each other about them and which ones made different people emotional and why and and how these connections contributed to the actual storytelling of the Mandalorian and also how they contribute to the idea of what Star Wars is. So much of this whole disney gallery has has talked about legacy and balancing the past with the new but also a lot of it has really focused on them saying this is our little corner of star wars and and favreau even going out of his way to say star wars is star wars the skywalker saga is the skywalker saga and we're over here doing our own weird little thing and then you spend 45 minutes going is it your weird little thing (laughs) because look at how full and rich in star wars it is
5: yep Yep. And that might just be his way of saying, uh, 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 uh playing humble. I don't know, but I agree. It just, it's a weird, um, not weird, but it's been a different, uh, and unique, uh, uh, balance, so uh, that Favre has been trying to ride the line and, and these connections important. And yeah, you're right. This episode had, had a lot of fun, little breakout moments, little conversations that we almost felt the cameras just kept rolling. Um, and, and, and the stuff was too good to, to leave behind, I, I guess. You know, like, it felt like you and me at a bar in Las Vegas. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's a couple of things. Uh, yes, we're, we're longer conversations. Um, it, this one was kind of a fun push-pull because there were moments where I'm like, please, please talk longer about that and give us more of that. Mm. Um, obviously, the breakout moment of this episode for me and many other people, I'm sure, is the, two second conversation between fabbro <laughs> and lucas and just oh, okay. classic lucas i mean you wrote that not really not really uh man so good so good so this was this episode uh much like the whole thing mm-hmm. loved it like 90 percent loved it 10 percent had that tension of like uh ah, okay I, I i understand that and we're spending even more time on it and then and then parts were like that's so juicy give me more about that
5: yeah, I agree. And I, I felt this is a good time to actually pay homage to the names behind this series. We, we've uh, generally really loved Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. I wouldn't mind if they found a way to do this for other things within the Star Wars universe. And Disney Gallery makes me seem like they're going to do this for other things within their uh, kingdom. Uh, but uh, Brad, uh, Bradley Braha, Bra, Barra, Baru, oh, my gosh, his name's harder than I thought. I thought it was a simple name, Baru. Ken, have you had coffee today? Yes. Uh, No excuse. He was the director. B-A-R-U-H. How would you say that, Joseph? Baru? You win. Um, And uh, Brandon Bestenheider and Megan Leone were uh, credited for uh, writing some of the episodes. Brandon with five, Megan with three. Uh, They were part of the team. Many people putting this uh, together. But I thought, hey, overall, man, I mean, when I say overall, I mean, we're talking like 99%. 99%. This was a big win for me. Uh, and I know we had a lot of fun, Joseph. You and I talked about when we were like, I guess we'll cover this on Force Center, I guess. And every week we
4: found deep themes buried within this fun behind-the-scenes show. Yeah, yeah. And I think this one, even more, um, a lot of the episodes, I just was happy to spend time with these creators and get a peek into the their uh, lives as artists who get to create Star Wars and also fans and how Star Wars and other films affected them. And I thought this one was a good one to take it home because of that. Because yeah. I really felt like you were spending time with creators uh, who who are making Star Wars, but are also fans of Star Wars.
5: Yeah. All oh, right. That. You know what. You might have convinced me that this was a good final episode. Then I mean, it was a good episode, but I was I was still like, is, is this one the fun? Should this have been the eighth? I like that. We had a, we had some serious discussions, some uh, college level discussions. We had some uh, nitty gritty stuff, and then this one was just kind of the uh, last
4: day of school. <laughs> this was very much. Do you like Star Wars? Yeah. What are your favorite parts? Should we put them in the show? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so enough of the preamble. I'll I'll take us into the actual bit of the show
5: here. Uh, Favreau talked up top about the show trying to draw from all parts of Star Wars from an overall perspective, Joseph, and and not getting too lost in in the nostalgia versus too much nostalgia talk, which we've had great discussions on during this recap of Disney Gallery of the Mandalorian. How did we like the connections in The Mandalorian as we watched it, especially now that the series is behind us a bit?
4: You know, as we watched it, I loved it, and I think hearing them talk about it confirmed uh, for me that they that I felt it the way they intended it. If that makes sense, that there it was a a real effort to not have anything be just there for only nostalgia value, or as they discuss here, not to have it be attached is fully said to character story and not to have it just be winking or if it was a a fun connection it's one that made sense and it was just in the background so it felt really cohesive to me and as somebody who who does love you know all parts of Star Wars I loved it was everything from pit droids to death troopers uh if that Mm. makes sense in terms of the aesthetic and the eras I loved that even though Favreau and much of the I think initial concept of the Mandalorian is really rooted in being a kid who grew up the original trilogy grew up with those Kenner action figures that the the show is informed by that perspective but the fact that they drew from every other era of Star Wars to populate the galaxy of this show makes it feel like a cohesive part of all of Star Wars
5: yeah that is uh, that that Looking back, I think as I watched it, I was was not resistant. I loved, I I loved a lot of the connections. I always do. I, as I've admitted, I got slightly defensive on the movies or some of the critiques thrown at the movies that I love, uh, and I felt the show was getting away with stuff that the movies couldn't, uh, which is okay. Which is okay. thought or discussion point to have now that I've separated myself from that, that silliness, which is, uh, you know, a flaw in my, my view and experience that's on me. Uh, I, I, it does work and to hear them explain it and how they're in this universe. Filoni's got some stuff, uh, great stuff later on, but to, I was going back with them on this episode going, Oh yeah, that, that was cool. I'm, I'm glad they did that. Yeah. That really worked for me. And it brought more joy to me than uh even even the first time and i had a lot of joy the first viewing to be clear but uh i I love that's why i love taking allowing yourself to take a breath and look at something a little bit later on and how you feel about it
4: yeah yeah and i I think i feel this way for the movies and for mandalorian Uh, and we talked about it with i think some of the criticisms that really came up around solo in particular of sometimes something is a like specific reference or a like, Hey fans, you like this kind of obscure thing or this obscure character. We'll kind of put it right in front of the camera. So you can have a little bit of the, I, I know that. And I don't think that is by itself a bad thing, but that other side of that in in this episode really got me thinking about it of, you know, some of these things are just star Wars has built up a big galaxy. Um, So if you have torture droids or uh, flame troopers or land speeders, Those are just that's how people get around. You know, it's not like if you you know, I watched the uh, the new Perry Mason show uh, last night and, you know, it had some fedoras in it. And I don't go, oh, a fedora. That's a reference to Casablanca. Like, no, (laughs) that's just what hats look like. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that way about Star Wars sometimes, like about the, um, you know, the ITO torture droid. You're like, yeah, that's a that's a brand of torture droid that's around it's not a winking reference it's we want one of these and it's established in the galaxy what it might look like
1: yeah
5: kind of like blue milk and rogue one like hey you know yeah i guess it could have been purple milk but it's blue because we know it and got it. But yeah, no, that's a good example. And look, and to be fair, like I in the in the sequel trilogy sometimes do want more of the classic alien, so to speak, even though I believe the galaxy is big and we should see new aliens. I, I understand uh, how that works. And, and so for them to even focus on the Quarren in this episode showed a good point of, yeah, I'm glad that Quarren was there. If That makes yeah, sense.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Cut sword head in half with a door. That's fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> and I did love that Filoni. He represents that part. That was a tension for me with this episode of it. it was delightful. And I also wanted to be like, it's a squid head. Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> they yeah. So this is
5: a, uh, this is more about the viewed experience I had, but I wanted to bring you in on this one, Joseph, and, and, and have an interesting discussion. So we, we are, we are in a special star Wars bubble. You and I most, uh, I'd say most, if not all the force center listeners, we are in it. We live it. We study it. We know these, some of these names. Sometimes you miss uh, some of them and you, and you lose out on trivia questions, But um, uh, trivia, trivia games. But we, we are in it. We, are, we live it. And so while I, while I was watching this episode, I experienced uh, the fun of my, my partner, Grace, learning a lot of the connections in this series for the first time, despite watching it not just once, but like two or three times with me. And like I said before, I'll be clear. She is a Star Wars fan, independent of knowing me or uh, having been with me now uh, three years. She has always been a Star Wars fan. Darth Maul, her favorite character. She loves the Phantom Menace. She owns a lightsaber now, thanks to our friend First Rate Nate. Like, (laughs) she's a Star Wars fan. And and I think that's important to say. Uh, She's not just sitting down going, what's an X-Wing? Like, she's there. But... She didn't pick up these connections. So she was blown away by a lot of these. and I love that because it reminds me of the different viewing experiences and how all are welcome at that table and how eventually at some point you're going to learn and the joy's there and it's a special kind of joy. So uh, how, do, how do you react when you, when you're faced with that? The, the reminder of these revelations and connections are just constantly fresh for fans.
4: Yeah, no, I'm really glad that you uh, brought this up. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it with my wife Sarah, but I, I expect it'll be the same thing of like you know she she loves Star Wars, but she does not know EV 99's name, you know, right. um, and, and might only recognize that droid specifically from Return of the Jedi. I I had a good kind of gut check for myself as I was watching because I was when I saw the topic I was really excited, and then when the early parts of this episode were just sort of calling them all out. I had a little bit of like, I know that, right? (laughs) Who doesn't know that? And like, okay, take it, take a breath (laughs) and step outside of your bubble. Um, Yeah. It's a great reminder that there are so many ways to love star Wars. And I think that um, those of us who spend a ton of time in the bubble and those of us who value either for a trivia contest or for our just own joy or because we collected trading cards or played an RPG or wherever knowledge came from I think it's okay to say I'm factually more knowledgeable than Mm. other people but that does not mean more of a fan or a better fan you know anybody who loves it loves it and is a Star Wars fan and I'm happy to have reminders to go take a step back and just because you've you know memorized various species names and you've watched that Clone Wars episode where the Quarrens and the Mon Calamari uh, fight you know four times other people including Bryce Dallas Howard have not <laughs> but that does not make them less uh, less of a fan just a different kind of fan.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, and it reminded me how this how this all just works then as its own story, and and probably all, all, all the movies do too, and everything. Where if you do the if you do the work as writers and directors and producers and, and actors and everything, like the story's there, and what what is there does matter. We always talk about the why, but I'm not even focusing on that, just on the deep stuff, just on a beat by beat. Cool alien does cool thing or gets killed cool way <laughs> works if you know it's a quaran or not, and. Um, that reminded me of that. I do I do want to jump to this Bryce Dallas Howard thing. She's been just a superstar for us. By the way, I guess confirmed for season two now. I saw something floating around yeah. online. So We now have 17 directors and 30 episodes in season two, and I love it. Um, how do we feel about that? Bryce Dallas Howard just kind of learning in this interview. Like, wow, what is that?
4: Uh, Ken you know that in general I'm not a huge fan of trailer reaction videos if other people like them that's great they're not entirely for me Uh, watching Bryce Dallas Howard react to kind of uh, Star Wars Easter eggs made me want to see a Bryce Dallas Howard trailer reaction YouTube channel yes <laughs> she was just uh, the, those levels of that's interesting and how weird that you know that and just uh, very joyful
5: yeah. And, and, again, and it reminded me now on even this level, the creative level, you can love Star Wars. You can create Star Wars now in this modern era, but it's about what you bring to the story. Uh, you and I have talked, uh, I think, offline recently. We had made a joke about the um, the Star Trek stuff, but sometimes there was just insert science jargon here in the scripts. Uh, and it was important, but, you know, the story was important. and I I, I, I saw this moment. I was like, yeah, that, that's so refreshing to me. She's just going to tell the story.
4: Yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, I, I was really affected, too, by watching the creators and seeing that, like, yeah, they have different levels of knowledge about the kind of surface level minutiae of Star Wars. And, and um, I don't mean minutia in a disparaging way. I just right. I, I think for me, a lot of this just seeing all these different people from the special effects to Kathleen Kennedy to uh, Favreau and in, in Filoni's relationship to Star Wars just made me feel really great. Not that I felt terrible ever, but made me feel really great about the care that is being used to make all of star Wars and mm-hmm. seeing the distinction over these eight episodes that, uh, Filoni in particular, and I think many other people have a real care about the big thematic wise is, is you keep saying mm-hmm. of star Wars and, for me, it's fine if a, if a director, a great director like Rick Famuyiwa comes in and is like, yeah, I remember Sandcrawlers and Jawas because they are part of my childhood, but I really care about telling this story about an outcast and, you know, how does he find connection with this baby and, you know, how can we see these Jawas in a new way and treat them with humanity? And those are the big picture ideas that matter to Star Wars and I feel like those are being cared for and then if there's like a surface level detail of, hey, it would be cool if we use this blaster because it's from the holiday special. Mm. Not everybody needs to have that knowledge to be a creator in, in the space of Star Wars because that knowledge is also held. Yeah,
5: yeah, absolutely. Well said, as, as our new trademark, uh, <laughs> one of our new trademarks is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good reminder. And it's for a good reminder for a lot of different things. You know, I'm a big baseball fan. I can quote stats from the 80s and 90s that are great it doesn't add to my enjoyment over anyone else's and it's it's always the the beginning of this episode really reminded me because I had the same feeling you had Joseph where I was like yeah yeah I know yeah yeah I got it they're spending time on this really and then next to me on the couch Grace is like oh my god that's so cool and I'm like oh hey Ken shut up (laughs) yeah yeah she didn't she didn't tell me that I told myself
4: yeah, I you know, I had that moment a while back uh, with Sarah when we watched A New Hope, like, relatively soon after Solo had come out. And, you know, this, to me, sort of ancient, well-known line from A New Hope of 3PO talking about, we will be sent to the Spice Mines of Kessel. Mm-hmm. And Sarah was like, oh, Kessel! <laughs> you know, and just, it that there is a joy in these connections that it makes the galaxy feel bigger and it makes you feel like you're, you know, kind of a, a archeologist discovering this ancient galaxy. Uh, and it's joyful. And I never want to take that joy from away from anyone else by being like, yeah, I know about (laughs) corns. Yeah. Yeah
5: good good stuff there and let's uh we went into a specific reference here will row hoods cam tono was highlighted in this one (laughs) One of the things we were going into the series we're like oh that picture they tweeted they instagram that picture here we go Uh, i just want to talk about our feelings in general about the legend of will row hood his ice cream maker through the years and its use in the show now this has been one of the most beloved deep cuts uh, for those that know, and they, they went into the this, this celebration tradition of the running of the Wilro Hoods. They went into all that. Uh, I love that everyone. I, I I love that everyone around the table was just kind of like, "Tell me more, Uncle Dave and Uncle John, about this craziness you guys are experiencing." So I, I just opened for him here, Wilro Hood, the ice cream maker, and finally having an official answer. Joseph, what does it mean to you and I?
4: Yeah, no, I, I love it because it is something where that could have been a wink and I probably would have been OK with it if there was just somebody in an orange jumpsuit who ran around a corner, you know, during a battle on Navarro, you know, while the Mandalorians are landing, there's a, you know, Willow Hood like that would have been fine and fun. But I love the spirit of, hey, here's this thing that you know, comes from real world, as Favreau was supposed to say, said he's supposed to be deep background, but fans watch this movie so many times that they've paused it. They've tracked down the ice cream maker. They have built their own tradition around it. It's just such it's the spirit of Star Wars because it has this sense of uh, fun and whimsy and community. And then to take all that and say, and now we're going to take all of that and we are going to reintroduce it to canon in a kind of serious cool way of mm-hmm. like the you know the Camtono now is it's kind of cool you know because it could have been used as you know a, a weird or a funny thing but the yeah. fact that it was used is Favreau it says like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction like you know yeah. it is the thing that that is kind of in that it holds the Beskar and the Beskar has so much meaning you know I, I love that this one thing you can arc through all of these different parts of what makes Star Wars cool from the production value to the whimsy to the community to the let's make this cool again.
5: Yeah, I I, I was I was I think I've always loved, you know, knowing oh, I was, you know, the ice cream maker guy. You know, I've always loved knowing that. And I never really thought I wanted the answer because, in my, you know, in my head, it, it could have been many things. I'm glad the way they used it, I'm glad it, it made sense. It was used in such a way that I remember the first time I saw it when 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 uh the uh the client brings it out, I I didn't immediately recognize it. You know, I yeah. was so like locked into the moment. I was like, "Oh, oh god, yeah, yeah, the the the, the Camp Tunnel. Oh god, yeah, I got it." Um and and I'm glad the way they played it. Like you said played it serious, uh not that it needed to be, but I'm glad they wasn't like the client brings it out and says, "Would you like space ice cream?" and starts making it. <laughs> like, that would have been to me a misuse of it, and then it adds it adds some weight to this this this
4: character. Will Ro Hood is like you know he's grabbing his stuff. He's grabbing he's got, what's important to him. Yeah, he's got some valuables in there. Some extreme valuables. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know the story of where Camtono comes from, right? The actual name.
5: No, maybe I don't know.
4: Uh, so there is—it's not that old. I think it's from 2017. Uh, there's this viral video of a father talking to his, you know, young daughter who's just developing uh, language skills and uh, getting her to try to repeat "I like" and or "I want ice cream," and mm-hmm. he does it word by word. So he's like, you know, "I," and she says "I," and he says "like," and she says "like," and he says "ice cream," and then she says "Kim Tono." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, the video goes on for like. Uh, good two minutes I think and he he when he breaks it down to ice and cream she says that but when he tries to put it back in a sentence again it's kamtono um and it's just like a kid having you know language development but I love that that's a part of this story too of Camtono yeah. is a great Star Wars word right and yeah. somebody didn't nobody sat down and was like hmm let me come up with the perfect star it came from this organic place of this thing is an ice cream maker. We want a word for it. There's this viral video where a girl can't a young girl with a, is developing language skills and can't say ice cream yet. So it says a weird star Wars word and said, let's make that. The name of the thing is great.
5: That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Um, It turns out there's some stuff on the internet apparently. Um, Was this on, was this on a TikTok? That's probably why I missed it. No, uh, that's (laughs) great. And and, and part of, and part of a little bit of the, even the legend of Will Rowe hood, just a lot of those things kind of, rise out of the fat the passion and, and the real experiences uh real connections of fans you know and work their way into the legend of star wars yeah
4: yeah i also liked in this section that they that filoni just said he didn't you know remember or know where the name willrow hood came from <laughs> which was yeah. fun uh, for uh even filoni even the yeah. master of all star wars knowledge was like I, I don't remember but an rpg a trading card i, I don't remember I don't know. I don't
5: know. Uh they did as they're running through a lot of things here. Uh one of them you uh, know talking about um you know IG88 they went through and, they, and they've talked about that before on the show. You you know we never got to see it move and I, I love I love Filoni's, uh take is just kind of an entire generation saying it's a stoic robot. It doesn't need to move because it's so badass. Um I, I love that I I've, I we may have discussed this at some point but now looking back, if, what if IG11 was IG88? Would that have changed your reception uh, to that character, your view of them. Um, I'm, I, yeah. Uh, leading question for me. I, I love that it's a different character, but I thought about. I was thinking about it more in this episode. I'm glad they. I guess. I guess I'm just glad they didn't go with the direct connection.
4: Yeah, I'm really glad that they didn't make it IG88 because I think it would have been a distraction. Um, I think they've been so honest about this. Really started from a place of. Uh, what if boba fett and ig88 you know found a you know baby yoda um but they made the mandalorian his own character uh very distinct from boba fett and and that's paid off extremely well and i think kind of the same thing with ig11 another filoni said that great thing is a great encapsulation of you know stuff that that you and i and many other star wars fans have talked about was you know he did not have any screen time at all he didn't do anything ig88 but he did in our imaginations um and i feel like in a way making it a new character respects not only the legends material the little bit of new canon material about ig88 um but just preserves all that all that imagination for that specific character that people have had over the years i think that's
5: Absolutely valuable to to part of uh, that part of Star Wars fandom. And eventually, sometimes you get those answers and sometimes people show up and and a lot of people want, you know, give me Dengar, give me that uh, or Rothgard. I really like what you're saying there. Just the idea of like, you know, those stories will be told for right now. Yours are still real in your head. Yeah. Filoni had this throwaway line, and this is this episode again had a lot of just conversations seem to break out, most of them between um, John and Dave. But Filoni had this throwaway line about the use of small details and background characters being the basis of the Disney Plus launch. It was played for laughs; it was funny. Uh, but I was thinking about it and rewatching this episode, Joseph. There's some great truth to that. What do we feel, especially now, about the risk of of playing in the small corner of the Star Wars sandbox? And that being the first show out of the gate for Disney plus
4: and Star Wars in live action. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a great tension here with this idea of how much is this a small corner of Star Wars mm-hmm. or not? You know, um, I agree. I, I think the, the, um, the joke was really funny cause they were getting into the, the tiny minutia and they, they were really talking about like the, who's a dumb character that nobody likes that we can put in this. like, and, and I think, you know, it, 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 compared to absolute mainstream understanding of star wars you know han solo princess leia are more popular than an Ugnot, yes but you know yeah. so I, I get the humor of it uh and it was very funny in the actual show um mm-hmm. but separating the I, the question that you're asking of is that was it a risk <sighs> i don't know I, because honestly i feel like for the general uh population especially once the child was revealed i don't think boba fett and yoda are obscure and these characters were trading on the idea of them i think to pull in very casual star wars fans you know i think the the iconography uh, you know uh, of billboards that went up in los angeles of uh, uh, a boba fett if you didn't know the word mandalorian mm-hmm. a boba fett looking guy Walking across a desert with twin suns and you know, moisture evaporators. Again, I think the general public is probably not thinking, cool, I'll watch the moisture evaporator show. Um, is it a GX8 moisture evaporator, <laughs> but just I don't think the imagery of it is that obscure. And Correct. I don't know, I kind of feel like as a culture in general, we love stories of the outcasts of the people on the edges of the people who have only been a little bit in the frame but now get to be in the center of the frame and i feel like that's what this story is about and i feel like that concept is very popular in in large pop culture
5: yeah all all, all what you're saying works for me uh i think you're right there is a again some level maybe it's Playing humble, or actually being humble uh, of of eh, we're just over here doing our thing. But yeah, you can't deny what you're describing. Those billboards were Star Wars in every corner. It was just dripping off the billboard, right? Um, I guess my thought is sometimes like, all right, could could they have done Kenobi? But then you hear uh, there's some folks at Lucasfilm that don't you know don't like inside baseball kind of Star Wars stuff. They want to go more broad, and so that could lead led could have led to this decision. And I think again, you're right. They probably knew what they had with the child uh yeah. they probably were like this is this is a winner um it looks good maybe not going into production maybe much like even yoda back in 19 you know 80 or 77 78 79 with shooting and developing this uh for empire but you know now you're probably looking back going wow look at the the dailies are coming in or now it's not even dailies the men <laughs> are coming in we know it's working so we we know we got something good there we can go forward that which uh you know uh, for the other, for the Disney team, if you had said, we're launching Disney+, Plus and the first thing out is going to be Loki, because, hey, yeah, MCU, you all like that, don't you? Uh, that I would have been like, yeah, that's a smart business decision. Regardless of Star Wars having some uneven kind of press or whatever it is the last couple of years. Regardless of that, MCU's on fire. MCU is uh, the money winner. That makes sense to me. The fact that they went this direction, I, I respect it even more. Um, Green completely with what you're saying about it's more Star Wars than John wants to admit, um, but it is playing in that sa- in that corner of the sandbox uh, in the smaller corner. So,
4: anyways, yeah, I, I like it. It's it's a fascinating business study. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I think I I think every time that Favreau is saying something like that, I think he is really trying to give due deference to this is it is playing for smaller stakes. It's about this one person, uh, you know, Dejarin's. Journey, You know, it's the, the stakes aren't at this galactic level. Um, yeah. And I think he's really trying to give uh, due deference to that. And obviously the budgets are different. So I understand from a, a lot of perspectives why his uh, he, he's really trying to pay deference to the big uh, saga movies uh, are different than our, our little journey with this one character. On the outskirts of the galaxy so i i respect that I, yeah. the, the the last thing i want to say about this is I, I think we can get caught up in the behind the scenes rumors and business decisions and and you read read books about why bob iger did x but the fact that they led with this to me is a, an affirmation that they are really leading with quality of story right and if they're reading this script and they're looking at the passion everybody making it, going, I think we really got something because everybody can understand, you know, the conflicts that the Mandalorians have having. You don't need to know anything about Star Wars to get hooked on this show because of the quality of the construction of the story. And I think that's mm-hmm. why it was ultimately a good business decision.
5: Yeah. And clearly it worked. Clearly it worked. Cause uh and then this series comes out and it's and it's Still getting people to look back on the series. Smart moves, smart moves all around. Hey, Filoni said this show was as if your older brother took all the cool toys and you were left with the peg warmers and randomly you got your hands on a Boba Fett. So, Joseph, I have to ask you, you do have an older brother. And, and with some of those cool toys, I know you guys divided up some of the Star Wars toys and even uh, superhero toys on who who you root for. Uh, I, I So I just thought of you overall in this sequence there. Did this uh, this statement resonate with you?
4: Very much because it was, yeah, it's it's absolutely something I literally experienced. My brother had the Boba Fett figure, and I I basically was not allowed to play with <laughs> with uh, Boba Fett, so I would not have been able to make this show. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some of the divisions were a little bit more equitable, but uh, I have told you that we both had a Luke, and yeah. uh, early on, and my Luke was not allowed to be Luke; he was Duke Starkiller. Uh, <laughs> little did my brother and I realize at the time that we were. I mean, really onto something uh, with the history of Star Wars. We just made that up. Um, Yeah. So I feel like for me to for the show to totally fulfill its destiny as a show inspired by that generation playing with Kenner figures, it needs a cloud car pilot.
5: Yeah. (laughs) You your history, the cloud car pilot needs to be up on screen.
4: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, give me even more peg warmers come on i hope in second season they go to i hope they go to bespin and we spend quality time with lobot uh, I mean, seriously, oh, and seriously please and he and he's sad right and he's actually sad and the <laughs> reality of sad lobot because oh man that'd be great if lobot had been cloned and like yeah. uh, cloud city is now being operated by just uh, hundreds of sad lobots
5: <laughs> and one forlom in the corner. Just in the- <laughs> Oh man, uh, I, I look. I even get a smile out of just hearing uh, the term "peg warmer" uh, dropped into these conversations. That, that just as a child of the '80s, and, and peg warmer sh- still it means something today. But just as a child of the '80s, uh, knowing that, uh, f- f- I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. Duke Star Killer. Uh, we're about to wrap up the first uh, half of this episode. It, it is sometimes overlooked that blurgs came from the Ewok movie. I forget that often too I'm aware of it but I forget it um this just going back to even at will Hood, why do we now love when the weird parts of star wars that are often maligned for years this ewok movie both of them caravan of courage battle of endor just maligned for years when they get pulled back into canon uh we seem to love it or do we love it I don't know um I we, we just I, it's fascinating to me a case study of that we used to hate that now we love it
4: uh, I, you know, I think I generally 99% of the time like it because I think it comes from, the, again, this very uh, Star Wars philosophy view of anything could be cool from a certain point of view. The dumbest vehicle uh, that was made into a toy, the most maligned character, uh, you know, the weirdest creature design. Uh, Even something from Holiday Special or the Ewok, uh, you know, TV Mm -hmm. specials could be cool. All of it has that spirit of, yeah, but if you look at it from this other point of view, even the peg warmer thing of like, I had an Ugnat, I loved my Ugnat action figure. So I think the idea of, well, if we looked at the Ugnat from a different point of view, from, you know, this wise uh, character who uh, escaped from servitude, you know, it's, then it's really cool from this different point of view.
5: Yeah, and I, I like it as a, 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 paying respect to just all of our uh, weird uh, corners of our own personal fandoms, you know, I, I watched the, the Ewok movies on TV with great anticipation. And, you know, if, if Teak were to show up <laughs> it would be great I know Nathan Hamill would scream to the high heavens and, uh, Out of joy So it it's it's it, 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 to me it's a little homage To the entire experience It's not just uh, uh, Favreau used About just uh, budgets and costumes A little bit later using all parts of the Buffalo But using all parts of the fandom Buffalo um, It's more than just that I, I do like when it shows up It's like hey, remember when you were 8 And you thought this was cool It still can be as he said from a certain point of view yeah always kind of fun we are going to take a break as we've uh we've gone a little long this first half uh then planned and we're going to come back talk about some of our, our favorite deep cuts and yes we are going to talk about that moment two seconds will lead to 10 minutes at least of conversation george Lucas, <laughs> and john Favreau. we'll talk about that on the other side of this break stick around for the mandalorian report Port. I am Ken Knapsock, and that over there, sir, is Duke Starkiller. No, Joseph Scrimshaw. <laughs> uh, you picked up on the cue quite well. I wanted to hear Duke <laughs> Starkiller. I want the Joseph Scrimshaw presents the adventures of Duke uh, Starkiller <laughs> in the snow in Minnesota. Uh, that's fascinating. You see, you uh, let me go into that. You, you, you guys predicted that. I, I believe that fully. Uh, you, you just you weren't aware of. The name it wasn't as prominent,
4: I guess, back then. I'm trying to remember myself. No, I mean, we certainly had no access to that knowledge. I mean, I probably couldn't even read when this <laughs> when this happened. So I was not, you know, going on to, you know, diving yeah. into any weird printed material uh, long before the internet. No, I think it was totally just a, he's, my brother didn't want us to both have Luke Skywalker. So his was Luke. Uh, in mind was, I believe, Luke's cousin. Mm. That's the best. That's <laughs> the best. See, now, if if you were writing
5: a Star Wars canon story, I'm sure you'd thrown a reference to Duke Starkiller just to uh, wink and nod to
4: your <laughs> your past. Oh yeah, I would definitely try. I definitely try. It's now. It sounds so much like just I, that the uh, the aura of the 80s uh, is yep. in The name Duke Starkiller, right? It's got some G.I. Joe. It's got some, uh, it's got a
5: lot going on there. Uh, it's a deep cut, which means I'm going to ask, what are uh, some of our favorite deep cuts from The Mandalorian? Uh, what do you like?
4: Yeah, I think, a, I mean, a lot of the references, I think my mind is twisted on what's a deep cut because, you know, like some of them, like I said, like, oh, like the interrogation droid. That's, that's an interrogation droid. It doesn't feel like a deep cut to me, right? Or, or the quacking monkey lizard is like, yes, that's a, being in the galaxy um so for me i think uh the disintegrations is high up um because yes. that is something that is one kind of iconic line if you're all in on star wars uh but then to see it of like oh yeah that, that's exactly what vader was concerned about <laughs> don't blow them entirely out of existence i want to question them and torture yeah. them um I, I liked i really liked the devaronian being there um again to me like Deep cut. It's a species in the galaxy. What I did like is, since he has been referred to in the past, since that species has been referred to in the past as devil guy, I did like that he was immune to fire because that to me was like felt like oh that's a fun you know you don't need to know that at all it's not winking but if you want to interpret it that way and then the one uh, the other one that I just realized today because of the um the the show. I didn't realize that some of the background bounty hunters on Navarro were actually canonically uh, former cloud riders. Oh wow! Because they, they early in this episode, uh, Favreau talks about how you know we're we're taking ideas and actual suits and everything from mm-hmm. the movies, right. and there's that picture of the Rodian at the bar, and I was like, I think that is the same Rodian that's in Solo. Uh, so I looked it up, and it is that Rodian's name is uh, Chusido. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's another uh, alien uh, whose name is Orimei Islo, who is also a very cool alien design that is with the Cloud Riders. And according to Wikipedia, they, they are the same characters. Uh, by this point in the war, they had joined up with uh, the guild, and they are both <laughs> murdered by Din Djar. And So that's <laughs> that's kind of sad cool but That's
5: sad oh man the cloud riders yeah they have such great purpose too uh, Goes all ways. yeah those are those are a lot of choices uh good choices i mean how about for you what were
4: your what were your faves
5: i definitely we're gonna talk about one of the, the big ones now that it's confirmed um but i, I gotta say that the, the tt al uh, 8l excuse me T T A L uh, Gatekeeper Droid, the the, the, the door Droid. As yes, the eight L slash
4: Y seven. Yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> There's a lot of slashes in that one. I I love it. I love that one specifically because uh, it is so in your face, right? You, like literally, <laughs> Even in the same dialogue. But and when we 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 had a great databank brawl all episode with that Droid. I you know you grow up and you think that is in Jabba's door, and I grew up. Th- specific you know, 3PO and R2, you think every droid, and, and generally every droid does have its own personality and everything. L3 would remind me of that. But I, I associated that specific joy droid with Jabba's door. Right. And now that I could see, oh, it's it's I'm sure some other people have them <laughs> all over the galaxy. <laughs> I just remember it worked for me. That's kind of the level. It's a reference that I go, eh, the door thing. Uh but also in universe it really works for me. I love that one as well. Uh, I do,
4: yeah, I, I, did, I just real quick. I do love that. Oh, like know. if you, if you showed people in the star Wars galaxy, a story about somebody who had a Roku box, you'd be like, well, yeah, that's, that's Ken Nabsock's right. tech. He has a Roku box. Like, yes, you know, a lot of humans have a Roku box.
5: Uh, love that. Love that there. Um, and, and, uh, I got, it was, I, I, I don't know why I liked the incinerator droid. I, I don't know why. Um, I I just like that even like when in Faber describing it like hey can we get that one for the video game, and <laughs> it's kind of like that kind of stuff uh, again. Pay homage to the the fandom. Uh, a lot of the cuts, a lot of the shots. I think the um, Mando
4: on a do back and have it shot in the same way of this martial mm. photo. Yeah, the Mando yeah. on a blur looking like Mando on a do back, or is it actually Mando yeah. Yeah. on a do?
5: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or that wasn't it when he had the do back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to rewatch the episode again, apparently. <laughs> um, but I just like that. I like that because that's one of the ones that in the moment you're going to see, it, you're going to feel it too. You, you, uh, I remember when we were breaking down some of the force awakens promotional stuff of, of Han and Chewie. And, and you were like, look, JJ is clearly just not just saying the movies are back. The imagery, the feeling that you had back in the days back with that promotional shot that works, that works on a weird subconscious. Let me go buy popcorn because they inserted a frame of popcorn in the movie.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like,
5: I love that. I love that one there. And there's a lot, I'm sure, much more to come. Um, John uh, Favreau talked about some of the castings uh, being uh, people being big fans of Star Wars. And then sometimes it's about bringing in someone with a body of work that makes their involvement in Star Wars intriguing. Uh, you know, Bill Burr is an example and everything, but I, I think the, the one we all have been focused on, the one – um, we even wish there was a little bit more in the series about is uh, Werner Herzog. Uh, uh, to me, he was the best example of he's in Star Wars and then he just delivers, and then he still kind of like
4: doesn't know what Star Wars is, and it <laughs> works. Let's talk Werner. Let's talk Werner, not Werner, 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 Werner. Yeah, and I love Filoni talking about. It. He was pretty much the first human I saw through a camera when I was uh, directing live action. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, he does. I think he brings. A, a cred, you know, if you get into, uh, you know, at this point Star Wars is arguably the biggest B-movie ever made because that was, you know the the inspiration and the aesthetic yeah. of let's make B-movie with a great story and high tech, but with living in that world, and so he certainly brings cred into the pockets of our culture that still have that Star Wars is less than uh, right. to bring an auteur like Werner Herzog, uh, but then it's just man, it's just adding a big different spice to the stew, right? Uh, he's, he carries with him all of this cultural baggage. Like he is an, he's an auteur and a respected artist, but he's also like a, a really quirky, intriguing, unique human being. So to bring all of that, uh, cultural energy in just makes it exciting. Right. Cause you're like, how is that going to mix with the taste I know from star Wars?
5: Yeah, it, it's, uh, because it's fun to have these people cast. And like every year, especially as the show rolled on Game of Thrones had like, and now Ian McShane's in and now here and that. And a lot of times it worked. A lot of times it was just a great actor, but uh, Werner Herzog is someone that's outside. So outside the realm of star Wars. And so like, what is, is, what is this? And I exactly what you're saying. It just kind of brings in this weird, credibility from some sections um and then it also by the way introduces him to star wars fans who maybe aren't too familiar uh and then it, and then it just it just it just delivers in a way i could not have imagined <laughs> it exceeded any expectations
4: right and then to give even that gift of the behind the scenes you know legend now that uh, of calling people cowards for not believing in <laughs> <laughs> the puppet version of the child is like uh he, it's the gift that keeps giving because he's great on screen and he added to the lore of behind the scenes Star Wars too.
5: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm almost sad that the shared narrative of Star Wars and Werner Herzog is
4: over. Apparently, let's uh, uh, let's start the hashtag Clone the Client.
5: <laughs> clone the Client, indeed. All right, here it is. This is the moment. I love this moment. Uh, a lot of our Force <laughs> Center Discord users love this moment. Um, George Lucas and the Phase Pulse Blaster. This um, this was uh, great because going into the series, this was one of the things like oh, talk about deep cuts, and I do like this as a deep cut too. Like we're getting the holiday special blaster Boba Fett had. Like who that we're doing this, we're doing this to have this boiled down to this moment with John and and George. You mentioned a little bit up
4: top, Joseph. <laughs> what do you think about this moment, Ken? Uh, can- Uh, I rewound this moment five times on my initial viewing it. I laughed so loud. uh, I I literally slapped my thigh and had to stop myself because I was going to wake my wife. This was beautiful. Uh, I think both Favreau and Lucas are obviously incredibly talented artists and also just charming, unique human beings and to see them, you know, it, it's almost like when you have a party and you introduce like two of your most flavorful friends to one another and see what's going to happen. And that was it, it was just gold in that moment. And I kind of wanted more, but it's also just beautiful in its simplicity. Of, so you wrote that. Not really.
5: <laughs> especially, especially because, first of all, the just the whole shot, the like Kathleen Kennedy's behind them in a row sitting down checking her phone doing her work they're on set and there's some people in the background they're staring at the moment right and i'm not suggesting the moment was set up in any way shape or form i'm just no it's just a lot of attention is focused on this and i wonder too now and and by the way folks we are go we are just having some speculatory fun here all right um again Favreau would put this on Instagram this blaster oh my god we're going deep cut he mentioned the holiday special several times in interviews going for you got to imagine he's like Uncle George is coming Uncle George is coming I'm gonna tell him this I'm gonna tell him this and then it happens <laughs> and just and I don't think his dreams are dashed but it's so George and it also shows though Favreau being this Star Wars fan who is like hey the holiday special right right let's do something with that but it's also going back to episode one where he takes kind of the crack at Filoni for referencing a pretty normal well-known moment in Empire Strikes Back and going I don't know man I don't I don't got you I can't follow you down that deep cut path <laughs> This just is it's all that in one moment where John's like oh god I can't wait to tell George Lucas about the holiday special forgetting that George is like burn all the copies
4: <laughs> <laughs> right I mean I think that's the thing uh I think I had a dream that night uh uh after I watched this about like meeting your your uh you mm. know the people you look up to because <laughs> so many people have told me great stories uh about um uh, meeting lucas just like really quickly at like a fundraiser an event and doing the mm. the whole uh, you know i know you've heard it a million times but can i just tell you you changed my whole life can i take a photo with you and, and lucas is always like okay <laughs> like, he's yeah. just he is <laughs> obviously He believes in what he created and has strong opinions about what he created. But his demeanor is just the like, oh, did you guys build a new technology? Are you furthering my vision? Uh, Cool. I got a Starbucks cup. Like he's, (laughs) he just he has this aura about him that is such a great contrast to the grandeur of the mythos of Star Wars and, and the the honesty of how deeply we love it and how deeply we're affected by it. And he, he's just he's kind of he's a he's a, you know, 70 year old rebel in flannel. You never know what he's going to say about Star Wars, what part of it he's going to be really jazzed about, and what part of it he's going to be like, yeah, whatever.
5: Yeah, whatever. And to me, I'll, I'll never separate George from the image of George in that food court eating a plate of Sabaros. I, I just, that's George to me. <laughs> and this is that moment. Him just going, I, I, I hate the holiday special. No. <laughs> so some of our Discord users, uh, a few of them jumped in here. This tug-and-cheek theory that this is why the rifle disappears from the show. That George shamed John Favreau mm-hmm. into killing the rifle from the show. Joseph,
4: what say you? Oh my God. That's such a hilarious take. Uh, thank you. Discord, uh, listeners. When I saw this on Ken's notes, uh, I also had a very, very good chuckle, man. Uh, that I have to say that is one of the weird parts of this behind the scenes. It's like, maybe we'll get an answer to that mystery of, is there a cut scene? Whether the episodes filmed out of order and we're not hearing about it. Um, what happened to the pulse rifle? And I love that uh, we got this beautiful moment with George Lucas, but no firm answer on the mystery of the disappearing pulse rifle.
5: Again, it's still to this day. I mean, we we here at Force Center generally don't go down that path or frame by frame or give me this where's. But that thing didn't. There's no nothing on screen that would make you think that that gun should not have been going forward should not have been there going
4: forward it's on the uh, cart at the end of chapter four and then it's just not around uh starting in chapter five
5: poof it's gone so i have to wonder about what time george was swinging by uh to, to see this episode because if it <laughs> if, if he was there for episode five which was a Felony directed episode and they are on, on tatooine like if, like if i'm if i'm choosing When George can come by, I mean, George, he's going to come by regardless, right? George Lucas says, I'm showing up, he shows up. But I got to imagine, like, if Dave, who has a connection to him more than anything, um, Jet Lucas is working on the show as a PA, by the way, and Dave hired him. And, hey, come on down. I want to show you what you're doing. Here's the perfect, perfect one, because we're on Tatooine. Let me show you what we're doing with your vision. yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And if that's the episode, if that's the episode, I can get behind this theory.
4: <laughs> it's a solid theory. Uh, I think maybe Darth Jar Jar uh, made off with the pulse rifle. Yeah. And yeah. S- since we haven't talked about the pulse, ri- pulse rifle controversy in a while, I will just throw out there again. Uh, I am I am strangely mystified by it, but I do want to focus on I love that fans were so invested in this story and. And just so taken away and enjoying Star Wars that it, I think it's a good thing that people didn't obsess on it, and I I wish that that uh, generosity of spirit could be applied to as much of Star Wars as possible.
5: That's a very nice, polite way of saying it, and I'll just nod and agree. With <laughs> uh, from there, they go into the homage, the homage um, uh, section here, uh, and, and and this is we go right to the camp cantina uh chum's cantina was uh, perhaps the big biggest example of paying homage to the past while moving star wars forward uh someone to look back to this episode now in episode five regardless i I still don't like some of the stuff about the episode but overall i really like it um do we like spending so much time here in this cantina it pops up a lot um from the certain point of view book obviously it's going to be there but we spent a lot of essays and stories in the cantina what is it about the cantina
4: that pulls a lot of uh, people's uh, both nostalgia and attention? I think it's just because it's sort of a, it's ground zero for this part of star Wars. Like Mm -hmm. if you're looking at the actual timeline release uh, in just history of, Hey, you, you see the, uh, the droids, you see uh, the, the homestead, you see the lightsaber for the first time, you see the ships, you see a lot of cool things. And then when you get to, the doors of that canteen and you walk in and uh, I believe Dem Hazon is the one who pops up first, but then you see this, you see how big and weird the galaxy is in that moment, in that place. Right. And I think that is a little bit of why it's so in, in the heart of, uh, of, of people's fandom of star Wars.
5: Yeah. And it always, a lot of things trace back to that too. And just a new areas new cantinas new bars new places new locations in star wars it always it, it can't help but be connected or feel connected to what we all felt watching the cantina stuff early on um and i was intimidated I mean, i'll tell you what um uh, you know i i i have loved going to a nice bar or watering hole now but i gotta i gotta tell you as a kid growing up i was really intimidated by the cantina oh, <laughs> and if yeah. what the bars were like like the bartender's grumpy to you people are gonna try to come at you like <laughs> i don't know about this i don't know about this
4: yes intoxicated uh walrus looking fellows are going to be yeah. mad at you just for existing you're not going to know the name of drinks so you just have to say i'll have one of those all sorts yeah. of stuff uh, uh i yeah no go go for it <laughs> I, I said when i first started to really kind of
5: hang i suffered some social anxiety growing up too in, in, in my early 20s in la but when i finally started doing it like and going to the bar and order i i felt like luke it would be in my brain a lot so the cantina is pretty powerful for a lot of reasons
4: oh yeah the one of the places i used to perform at a lot in minneapolis i started performing there when i was pretty young Bryant lake bowl and uh there was one bartender there who was just a, he was a tall extremely handsome man with just beautiful long flowing locks and he had that like i am cooler than everybody and he gave he didn't look at all like woo hair but like the first time i ordered from him i was like I have this uh, coupon for a rolling rock. (laughs) And he just looked at me exactly like Wu hair looks at Luke Skywalker and was like, yep, that's, that's how bars work, I guess
5: yeah that's it that's it um in this sequence we got some canon uh confirmations now some of them you and i thought man have we already heard this do we feel it do we talk about it it seemed that, uh, it uh that they all make sense so let's just dive into them here we got the confirmation that ev 99 has uh, moved from java's palace over to the cantina to pick up a shift or two now the droids are allowed there and that r5d4 was still rolling around uh, yeah, we got a, a voice confirmation we'll talk about in a second here. But what do we think about that, that? those confirmations, Joseph? Fun facts, eye rollers, both, a little bit of column
4: A, column B? No, I think those are, uh, you know, exciting room for a headcanon. I think just with without the specificity of EV99 or uh, R5D4, I really felt the like, oh, wow, something's changed. How much can we track this back to um, there's not as much... Uh, business because of you know the crime organization that that ruled this planet has been decimated um and you know what happened that droids are now running this place uh i I already like that i think the um this great property master uh josh roth uh, who is being interviewed Mm. talked about that so i I love just the droids in the specificity of it no it's it is straight up ev99 and r5d4 i kind of like because we didn't spend A bunch of time on it there wasn't a you know bad motivator joke uh he was just floating around the background uh i agree with filoni he never would have got off the planet he's a junkie (laughs) droid to begin with um and there's something frightening about ev99 like are are you still into uh i mean i know he wasn't literally doing the torture himself that was you know uh 88 but like what else is going on at shulman's cantina so i kind of like it yeah, no,
5: I, I do, I do like it. I, I do, I, it, it rides that line, but but also for me, like it's being so just immersed in in modern canon and, and I don't want anyone to think that you and I don't really love that stuff too. We talk about often moving past that for the story's sake and, and the wise and engaging with the stories and all those kind of things. But I, I love these little details. Um, this one really works for me. R5 R five works on just like a, uh, you know, ah, oh, that poor hapless droid. But EV99, like, the, the, that droid's going to be connected to the underworld. You are going to go there for information. You're going to go there for jobs. And even and I'm just going to tell you, no, it ain't working like it all works. It 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 might be random and very specific. Uh it in its random randomness but it works in terms of the Star Wars story for me and I liked it a lot.
4: That's true. He is the one handing out assignments in uh to the other droids in Jabba's palace and now he's handing out assignments uh, possibly yeah. to the bounty hunters. So that works for me. Uh
5: and then of course we get the, this uh fun revelation here mark hamill voices ev 99 in this series mark's been doing this uh there's now some stuff going around today that he's uh like i my voice is heard in every star wars movie that's been released in the new era um people are trying to track exactly where he might have been in force awakens i know i've been reading some articles on that uh so what do we think about this mark having some fun
4: Oh, I think that's great. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful that they would include him because there there are a bunch of different voice actors uh, who who are included in the, the Star Wars family and are used in every film. Our, our friend of Force Center, James Arnold Taylor, is in almost all the films. Um, so I think it's great that not only is he Luke Skywalker, a Jedi master, he's also a great voice actor who is a part of the Star Wars family. So I love that. And I've been wondering about it because... In my studying, you know, I was freezing the credits for Rise of Skywalker, and we all know that Bulio is voiced by Mark Hamill, and once you know that, you can really hear it, I think, Uh, but he's credited to Patrick Williams. I was like, what's the deal with that? And then uh, Mr. Hamill had a tweet this weekend that he's, in some of his voiceovers, he's credited as Patrick Williams, Uh, but I couldn't, I looked at Rogue One. I couldn't find any specific credit for Patrick Williams. So I think the, the mystery and the adventure will go on for detectives to find him. Yeah. I love it. it but it, Bolio is, I just it's sad fate for the character, but I, I love win the
5: war. Like it's a great
4: line. It is it's really- so great. Yeah. I just yeah, I, I, I rem- it was so fun to be sitting uh, behind you when we both first heard that. And it's like, that's going to be one of our favorite lines. It's so well delivered. Yeah. Win the war. So good.
5: Yeah, this is a fun revelation. uh, And, uh, you know, it should be just like I I believe Warwick Davis appeared in parts of Star Wars and as many characters is a tradition. uh, So should Mark Hamill have in some weird random role. Uh, and, and, and every one of the movies is kind of fun. Uh, we are uh, almost done uh, wrapping up this episode, but the episode had a lot more left to it there. we, we There's two big sections that uh, they spent a lot of time on. Joseph, this is the 501st section, and we're going to go a little bit to the, uh, the director's squadron in a bit here. So we, uh, we're not going to go beat by beat. For, for the 501st or the 501st it's sometimes referred to uh we're well, well aware of the organization though taika waititi was not calling it hey what's that what's that gang Eh, that's a bad <laughs> name accent but i love that moment it was just like what's that what's that what's that thing that was those all those people that showed up what was that that was pretty fun to me yeah. um what were your reactions to the 501st appearing be interviews uh, and, and just seeing their faces of uh, you know being in star wars
4: yeah, we had heard about this, I think, at Star Wars Celebration, right? Um, that this yeah. happened, so when it was when the story was beginning on this episode, I was like, okay, cool, you know, this isn't going to be that uh, revelatory because I know this. It was just a great experience um, emotionally to actually see all the people, you know, all the different places that they came from, uh, and just, I think more than anything, it, it's incredibly joyful. I, I really like the respect given to them that they like going out and being stormtroopers. So they've studied how to be stormtroopers. So they know how to hold themselves and they know how to stop and aim yeah. their blasters and all that. There was, you know, cause sometimes from creators, you can get a like, okay, I roll fans, cosplayers. They don't really know what they're doing and that, that respect. Mm-hmm. Like they all know how to be stormtroopers. That's great. Um, yeah. but the biggest thing for me is just the joy of it coming full circle. The way Filoni expressed of like, they made these costumes themselves out of love. And now they are, screen used is mm. really really just uh, there's so much in here in, in this episode and in the behind the scenes in general that uh creators and fans are not necessarily uh, separate entities and this was another great expression of that yeah loved a lot of the stuff being
5: highlighted here and and just the uh the joy i, I, can, I can only imagine i can only imagine turning the corner and, have, and pa say brace yourself you don't even know what you're doing. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're right. Filoni's highlighting that like you're supposed to build screen used quality armor. And now it's screen used like, wow. Amazing. Uh, loved it. Um, maybe though we'll see when Mandalorian gets a, a bigger budget for season two. It probably already did in season three and beyond, you know, then maybe we won't need the first, or maybe they'll just be there because they did such a good job. Yeah. Um, we uh, spent a lot of time with the director's squadron uh i know they i think they actually have a name i can't remember but i call them the director's squadron uh with trapper wolf and the rest of the team um a lot a lot in here that i think was already covered when we talked about that episode episode 6 about you know the value of even you know felone learning to act for a second and all those kind of things it's it's important skills for directors to to pick up on a lot of directors actually audit uh acting classes and just sit in the back and watch the process actors have to go through it's valuable so we don't really need to dive into that but uh, i just want to ask you here joseph would you want this squadron appearing in mandalorian to be some kind of running joke or tradition
4: (laughs) uh i trust that they would not put them in unless there was a story use and a story use that wouldn't feel like uh, too much of a wink and a nod um I, You know, when we first saw the episode, it did take me out of the episode just a little bit. I was so into that episode and I was so into the idea of seeing the New Republic as, as a force to be concerned about, that they do still have power in the galaxy and people know like you you got to stay out of the New Republic's way because they will take care of business. Uh, and then it was just a little taken out of it by, you know, recognizing Filoni. But I, I think I, I gained more respect for it uh, in this long discussion. Hearing how much that it was Favreau's idea, in clearly coming from a place of mentorship, uh, of mm-hmm. this would be valuable for you, Dave, and uh, um, and Filoni has or, or Favreau has such experience being an actor, uh, you know, being on both sides of the camera. I think mm-hmm. the next time I watch Mandalorian, I will enjoy it more, knowing that is the true behind the scenes story of it is another example of great Star Wars mentorship.
5: And I got to tell you, I was bummed that they said that was the X-Wing from Galaxy's Edge in Florida and not Anaheim because uh, less chance of me getting out <laughs> to the Florida
4: location. I <laughs> uh,
5: love the one in Anaheim. So uh, anyways, so I was just a jealous uh, West Coast uh, 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 bias uh, showing through there. But I did uh, yes. really
4: like that detail that they had to get that because yeah. there were some moments in uh, all of this Disney Gallery Mandalorian that was like, you know, they're not joking about having a smaller budget. And like that, that that's the reason for the 501st of we only had this many stormtrooper, you know, outfits, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I do, it, it did make it feel like, no, this is legitimately scrappy. We only have this much of a budget and we have to figure it out. And there was some that I, I yeah, as
5: maybe as we transition into final thoughts on this episode, Joseph, there was something I'd put in the notes and I took out before sending it over to you about that's, that's kind of going back to new hope. Now, after then it changes, but going back to new hope, it's kind of this weird Star Wars tradition, right? We don't have as much money as we need. We're putting it together. Not everyone, uh, you know, fully believes, or that we're, we know we're taking a shot. We're taking a risk. I think people believed in the Mandalorian more than the crew of the new hope, uh, a new hope, but uh, there's some kind of fun tradition that I love this had too. Uh because we had heard, this is one of those behind the, you know, behind the scenes kind of just rumor pieces. We'd heard back in the day that Favre did not get as much money as he wanted for the series. And that was maybe even why some of the voice castings and blah, blah, none of that really matters, but you see it at play here. It does keep coming back up and I like what it forced them to do. I liked it
4: yeah because it makes these actual you know creative solutions and makes these kind of real human stories like you know i'm so happy that all those people in the 501st got to do that uh and we get that great story rather than just like yeah here here's a check for <laughs> 60 more stormtrooper outfits yeah, yeah which maybe could happen but but i did i
5: love the moment when they're talking about when Filoni's kind of like i can't what we had you fly the one out from florida galaxy's edge Uh, you know, which I don't even think it had been on display yet. I don't think the park was open yet, but just I love with Kathleen Kennedy at that table. He was like, I couldn't believe we didn't have one on the West coast. (laughs) Oh, dangerous, dangerous. Um, so uh, overall, Joseph, final thoughts uh, on this episode and, and this series as a whole uh, as we look back at eight episodes of Disney Gallery, colon the Mandalorian, colon Star Wars, colon behind the scenes.
4: <laughs> no, I think this episode was uh, a great one to end on because I think it was really just joyful. Everyone involved was just really happy to be relating these stories. And, and I think, you know, over the course of this uh, season of of this behind the scenes show, we've gotten some real uh depth some you know ideas about legacy and meaning of star wars some real technical stuff and this was just so joyful of really let's play in the sandbox of star wars so i I appreciated how joyful it was and i appreciated that it celebrated the creators as fans
5: it really did a lot for me just um As someone who really liked The Mandalorian and had some beats that I didn't like or had some grumpiness that I brought into it, uh, not heeding Yoda's advice there, this series just highlighted the people behind it, um, the love that went into it, the moments. Um, It made me, every time a clip would play, I'd be like, oh, God, I kind of want to go back and watch that. (laughs) And I needed that. And uh, it was a good reminder. And even, even this episode of just uh, you know, grace on the couch next to me going, Oh my God, that's so cool. That's the thing from Empire. just reminding me to get back to the basics. And I think that's, uh, we all need that from time to time. We all, especially this day and age where, you know, social media, the Star Wars social media can be a, can be a dumpster fire at times or it can be a challenge at best, uh, to just find the joy out there. This series really helped uh, focus on the joy that, that went into making the Mandalorian and made me excited for what's, Coming forth, and I love behind the scenes stuff. It's part of Star Star Wars tradition, learning how they did it, and this just was a, a big win for me
4: uh, overall. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it, this. I already really, really liked and really appreciated season one of Mandalorian. It made me appreciate it even more. It, it made me appreciate how much they love all parts of Star Wars, from the the whimsical to the deep thematic. I got introduced to, uh, you know, so many cool people to. Uh, to follow their uh, career uh, that, that I've been making Star Wars for a long time. And it's it's really cool to be, um, you know, I finally got off my butt and made more time to watch uh, a Rick Famuyiwa film. And uh, I followed Hal Hickel on social media. And, and I get excited now when I see his name in the credits for Rogue One because now I know who that person is. So this really um, helped me uh, not only enjoy The Mandalorian more, but it just become fans of these creators and what they bring. Uh, bring to the world of star wars um the one thing that i've been meaning to mention this entire time of uh, us covering this is i am amused every time i watch this episode and when you start a show on disney plus the warnings come up and there's always a v for violence (laughs) and i know that it's because they're playing clips from the mandalorian (laughs) but every time i see that i was like is uh is Favreau gonna punch somebody out? Uh, what what's gonna happen in this <laughs> behind the scenes show? Ian Faloti finally get that fist fight. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Wow, uh,
5: good stuff, man. It's been fun covering the show with you, Joseph. Again, we thought. I mean, we are happy to cover it. It was made a lot of sense for us here at Force Center. But all right, well, we'll, you know, we'll learn about the volume, I guess. And each episode just really brought something to us as fans, and hopefully all you listening there been a pleasure doing it the mandalorian report will uh, go away for a bit but it will be back joseph because season two ain't that far away looking mm, at October, no. over be here before you know it
4: yep very very soon time will fly
5: in the meantime uh we want to thank you all who've been listening to the mandalorian mandalorian report as we First, review the show. Now, review Disney Gallery. Uh, more on the way. Uh, Clone Wars report was we special. We're going to be doing some, uh, special Clone Wars report episodes, looking back at old episodes, our arcs. More things on the way in that regard. As we always uh, find ways to just kind of adjust how we present Force Center to you and cover Star Wars in our Force Center way. So, if you want to uh, be informed of that, make sure you're following us at uh, Force Center Pod on Twitter, like our Facebook page. We are on Instagram. YouTube as well. We just had a new Star Wars show and tell come out last week. Uh, two gentlemen's with beards and Star Wars memorabilia. <laughs> it's a good view. Give it a like and subscribe. All that good stuff. If you want merch, we're on Public at tpublic.com slash user slash center. You can support us at Patreon at patreon.com slash center. You make cool things happen like our uh, new music on Star Wars ranked from Tony Taxton. And in fact, most of the music, all the new music has come from Tony Taxton. And that happens because of all of you and your direct support and investment in the brand. Uh, we are uh, also uh invite you to try an audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audible trial.com slash Pick out an audiobook, any book, and try it out on us. And we got our own things as well. Joseph, where can they find you?
4: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all my other comedy adventures and podcasts, you can go to my website at josephscrimshaw.com.
5: Do so. Uh, do the same with me at uh, catnapsack.com.
4: And uh, I'll have uh, everything
5: up the Charity Spotlight tab uh, where you can find uh, all the shows I do. Uh, it's a long list. Uh, too long, but it's there. Find it at catnapsack.com. That is it for the Mandalorian Report for now. We'll see you soon. This is the way.